is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Ken Charles, in for Mike Simpson. Now that the U.S. is getting a much better handle on COVID-19, well, at least we think we are, the focus is now switching to what are the best rules for people who are vaccinated and for those who aren't. That even extends to children. The CDC relaxed outdoor mask requirements at summer camps, but it's going to matter whether campers are vaccinated or not when it comes to inside. There's a lot of controversy about inside, outside, kids, not kids. We'll get into these new rules and how they're going to impact summer camp. All I know is if I had a kid, I don't care. He's going to camp. And as you know, in this country, we have become so good at making decisions that are helpful to others. Of course, that is our goal. <laughs> By the way, I hated summer camp. Uh, yeah, I My did parents too, sent me to a camp and I was like, I'm not going to camp anymore. <laughs> I, w- I wish I could have worn a mask in summer camp, the, the things I could have gotten away with. <laughs> uh, workplace lawsuit being filed over mandatory vaccinations. And when we tell you the kind of workplace we're talking about, you're going to probably go, what? And it's not here. No, it's not here. <laughs> it's not here. No. But you'll still go, what? <laughs> you will go, what? Yeah. Plus, masks look to be part of the workplace in California even after the state's upcoming full reopening. I guess that's not a surprise, and maybe it's not a bad thing. Now, by the way, rumors of the death of movie theaters, they have been clearly greatly exaggerated. We'll explain that one. Now, let's start with summer camp, masks, and your children. Dr. Tracy Gaslin is executive director of the Association of Camp Nursing. Ah, camp. Now, never mind. (laughs) An advisory group that consults summer camps on medical issues. Charles and Mike asked her what she thinks of all of these new rules. Well, I think the rules are uh, definitely headed in the right direction for where we are related to COVID vaccination and COVID testing and many of the new tools and resources we have available to us. So there is a lot to consider, and we had a great town hall today to discuss the nuances and the challenges around, you know, serving individuals in a congregate setting. So I think that we're making some great strides in that area. Okay, so let's talk about at least one of the nuances, uh, as you put it, which is what do you do with indoor situations where you don't necessarily know whether the child is or isn't vaccinated, right? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. What we encourage our counselors and staff to do foremost at camp is to be role models and mentors. And even though we think the majority of our staff will be vaccinated this summer, we want them to role model and mentor for the youth who may not be. We know that everybody 11 and younger, in essence, will not be vaccinated. And there will be a hit and miss kind of group in that 12 to 15 category, depending on if they've had the chance to be vaccinated or not. So we really are talking about how do we how do we set some guidelines that really bring us into a cohesive group and family? And if that means myself as a vaccinated person wears a mask, then I wear a mask indoors to help the others. So we really are looking at this from a perspective of how do we bring inclusion to the experience? How do we make everybody feel part of that camp family? So we're not afraid to 
have to do some things that maybe we could not have to do, but that in essence, we really should do. It's kind of like parents who say, well, I'm still going to wear one because my kid's small and he can't get it anyways. <laughs> right. So I'm going to model right, it for exactly. him. Cause then otherwise what you've got like two classes of kids, you've got the vaccinated kids all and sitting together. And then you see how it goes. It's, it's like school. Right. And then the unvaccinated right. kids, Oh, you go at the other table, you guys, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and the whole mission of camp is to connect kids to one another and to connect kids to nature. And if we're missing that broad goal, then we need to rethink maybe about how we operate this summer. And doing the prevention strategies is not going to hurt anyone, right? It can only help others. So can we think about the benefit of others as well as ourselves? Well, let me ask you that along those lines, since we we do live in a country where everybody clearly wants to do things for the benefit of others, uh, whether you're getting, (laughs) whether you are getting feedback from parents, some of whom might not be that interested in having their child, even if able to be vaccinated, vaccinated. Uh, we haven't received a great deal of feedback from parents. I mean, parents, I think, are eager for their children to get reengaged. They're eager for their children to have socialization. I get more comments and information from parents around what do I need to do so my child can participate in these really important developmental activities of youth. So I think our parents, for the most part, are very excited about having a vaccine that can, again, provide more uh, prevention and safety for their child, all while also providing support through camp, which is a great mental, emotional, and social support mechanism for them. Because we know youth being together is hugely important. Dr. Tracy Gaslin, Executive Director of the Association of Camp Nursing Advisory Group, consults summer camps on medical issues. Doctor, thanks. There's a big hospital. In, well, of course it's big. It's in Houston. It's in Texas. Everything is big, right? Deep in the heart. Yeah, of course it's big. It, it, it wouldn't be like the little hospital in Texas. It's the big hospital in Houston, and it's now requiring all workers to get vaccinated. Now, one might think that that wouldn't be an issue at, I don't know, a hospital Aren't they the smart ones? Don't yeah. they know everything there is to know about healthcare? Mm, wrong. <laughs> wrong, large hospital breath. But it is an issue in the hospital. About 100 workers are suing, so they don't want to be the guinea pigs. Chris Tritico is a criminal defense attorney in Houston and is a legal analyst. Mike and Chris mentioned how there are a lot of people hearing about this thinking, of course they'll get vaccinated at work. It's a hospital. <laughs> yeah, and... It's just kind of one of those stories that you hear it and you say, i got to hear that again. A bunch of hospital employees saying, I, I don't want that vaccine. And it, it, I, I was kind of stunned when I heard it. Um, the, and the hospital said, get vaccinated or you're fired. And that's where we are now in the middle of, in the middle of litigation. Well, and is it the case that they're hanging their, their whole argument or, or a large part of their argument on the notion that the current vaccines have all been authorized by the FDA on a so-called experimental basis and they're not fully authorized? And if that's the case, you know, Pfizer and now Moderna have both moved to have their vaccines fully approved. So if that's their argument, it would seem that that argument's going to be moot fairly soon. Right. And that that does seem to be the argument, uh, along with a couple other arguments that are destined to fail. But that argument that this is a an experimental vaccine and it hasn't been out long enough, I just don't think that for people that work in the in the healthcare industry, 
is one that is is a good argument for people that, that are in the industry and know how these things work. I, I don't see that that's the argument that they're going to win on. I, I don't get it. Well, yeah, I mean, even if we take that road down, right, let's do the math. Let's say three, four months, right? It's like, yeah, you can have your job for three or four months unvaccinated, but then we're going to fire you in September. <laughs> right. And, and look, this, and you, they're not forcing them to get the vaccine. They're just forcing them. If, if you want to work for us in the healthcare industry, you'll have to have the vaccine or you can go get a job somewhere else. It's not it's a condition of employment. It's not a condition of 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 everything. <laughs> so that's where they're going to fail. And that's why they're, they're not going to win this lawsuit. You don't have to have the vaccine to live in the city of Houston. <laughs> you just have to have the vaccine to work at that hospital. I, I'm curious, uh, Chris, how is this news going over in Houston? I, you know, it just, it, it kind of hits the news at night and nobody's really talking about it. I just don't, I don't think that they're getting the big support that, that they thought they were going to get because it it's just not playing that well the, and and I don't think they're being seen as 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 the big saviors of the population. Houston has really made a, a big change in Texas. I know people see Texas as the big conservative bastion of the country, but Houston is not. And in the city of Houston in Harris County where we live, the county we live in is 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 a pretty liberal uh, place for now and so they're not being seen as, as 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 what i don't think they're getting the support they thought they were going to get for this argument and then for the hospitals part too i mean they have a lot of ground here to point to those other things we just mentioned in, in the, the lead up like hey you know you have to have your flu shot if you're working on the transplant floor or whatever it is and we give you tests before we do like a, a surgical procedure anyways to make sure you're not bringing anything in if someone's really immunocompromised so this isn't too much of a stretch from the usual course of business no, it's it's not at all. And and when you're working in a place where you know every there's only one reason that people are in the hospital. And when you're in a place where everyone that's in there is sick, you know when you go in there, you have to do the extra things that are necessary. And I just don't find I don't find their argument to be a good argument. I don't I don't think they have any legal basis for this. And I don't think they're going to win at the end of the day. I think I think this lawsuit is destined for failure at yeah, the end of the day. Where is this in terms of, of uh, its status in the legal system right now? Oh, it's just in the trial court. They haven't gotten anywhere. They're still in the trial court waiting for their first hearing. And I think when they get to that first hearing, they're going to lose, and it'll, it'll go up on appeal. Now, if they're going to find any success, it'll be when they get to the Texas Supreme Court, which is all conservative, and that's where they may find their first victory. And the way that the court system works, I imagine by then maybe one of these vaccines is FDA-approved anyway, so now your case is is pretty much decided for you. Correct. And they're going off of – this is something I wanted to mention. They're going off of this theory from World War II – um, back where they banned the use of holding people when Nazi Germany was holding people and using them for experimental purposes. That's the basis of their argument. And that is... Wait, 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 is, wait, wait. So, so they're, they're equating... I just yes. want to make sure I, got, I heard this correctly. So they're equating being told they need to be vaccinated against COVID to continue to work at the hospital as a hospital employee dealing with patients, they're equating that in the lawsuit to experimentations done in Nazi Germany? 
Well, it's called the Nuremberg Nuremberg. Uh, I can't find it now. Nuremberg thing, and yeah, same same basic thing. And that is that's why they're going to lose because it is nowhere close to that. You know, it's just not the same thing. All they're saying is is you, you don't have to work here anymore. You <laughs> get the vaccine or go get another job. It's not the same thing as being held as a prisoner and being forced to uh, medical experiments forced upon you. It's not the same thing, and it's not a medical experiment. Uh, I. What I've been trying to get people to think about is the difference between creating a vaccine in 2021 and creating a vac- the polio vaccine 75 years ago. And, what, and the difference in, in medical science today is, is that it was 75 years ago when we, when we created the polio vaccine. And the, and the difference in science and, and the ability that we have in creating these things today. And it's just not the same the same thing. It's not the the way we do it, and how and the and the advances in science. It's not the same. And I, I just find these arguments and the and what's happening and 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 the way we have split our society in half over political arguments is is it's not good for our country and it's not good for what's happening in society. And I wish they would stop. Chris Tritico, criminal defense attorney, legal analyst uh, there in Houston. Chris, thanks. California regulators, they're taking the cautious route when it comes to masks at work. They are going to stick with the the mask mandate for workers even after the scheduled June 15th full reopening. It has to do with uh, verifying who is and who isn't vaccinated. Well, good luck with that, huh? You mean the honor system doesn't work for this? <laughs> Apparently not. You know, maybe we put like a, a, a scarlet V on everybody's <laughs> chest. Rachel Kahn is an attorney and in the Labor and Employment Group and is a member of the Occupational Safety and Health Practices at Nixon Peabody Law Firm in San Francisco. Charles, you and Mike asked her how employers can find out if workers are vaccinated if they can't ask about them. Sure. So... Employers can ask about the vaccination status of their employees. The EEOC has come out and said that you want to be careful and not elicit more information from your employees that may um, provide information as to why they're not getting vaccinated. So if it's um, based on a disability, um, information like that, that may open Pandora's box to additional confidential medical information, but employers can ask the status, vaccination status of their employees and the new proposed Cal OSHA regulations actually require that employers have documentation as to whether or not an employee is vaccinated before allowing them to, to, determine that they are actually vaccinated. Yeah, so you cannot ask. consider them vaccinated unless you have documentation. Yeah, is this like the informal survey? Hey, did you get it? Or is this bring in your little white card and show me so I can mark it down on the list? Yeah, it's bring in your little white card and let me see it. And so I can have a documented record. So now the next logical uh, step, question, can the employer then say to somebody who is not vaccinated. If you want to come back to work, you need to be. Well, that's a that's a little bit more of a complicated question. So employers can mandate vaccinations um, as a condition of employment. However, there are exceptions to that. 
if somebody cannot be vaccinated because of a medical reason, or if somebody cannot be vaccinated because of a sincerely held religious belief. So minus those, an employer that has clear policies requiring that can do so. Why not just let, I mean, the people who have verified, no masks, and then the people who haven't or don't say treat them as unvaccinated. And then, I mean, we can all picture like a call center, right? Everyone's on their phones and the vaccinated people have their masks off and the unvaccinated people, sorry, you still got to wear it. Or does it have to be that until everyone is vaccinated, then everyone's got to wear masks together? Because that doesn't make too much sense to a lot of people. They say, hey, I got my vaccine. I can take this thing off now. Sure. So this is where uh, the California Occupational Safety and Health uh, Division has differed from the CDC. The CDC has come out and said, if you are vaccinated, you can lose the mask. Now, on Friday, CalOSHA, which is um, its its acronym, came out with revised uh proposed regulations that are going to be voted on this Thursday. And in those regulations, it says that everyone, regardless of vaccination status, will have to continue to wear a face covering indoors. Now, if you are in a room, there are certain exceptions to that. And one of those being that if you are in a room with other people who are all vaccinated, you do not have to wear a face covering. But again, you're going to the employer will have to have documentation that those all of those employees in that room are vaccinated before everyone can lose the mask in that room. Well, I guess this is it is where it gets a little bit tricky because early on, uh, California said uh, that it was going to follow the science. I it said it when it was the first in the country to impose lockdowns. It said it when some counties elected to be far more stringent than other counties, they were going to follow the science. So I guess what I'm not totally understanding is the CDC, unless one doesn't accept that they know the science, if the CDC says that a fully vaccinated person can take his or her mask off indoors in a workplace Where's the science that supports Cal OSHA's proposal? Well, I'm I'm not going to speak on behalf of, of Cal OSHA, but certainly that is the perplexing thing for many employers and many of us that are reading these new proposed regulations because that has been their position for the entirety of this pandemic is that they were going to follow the science. Um, now... They're, they have said that they feel that the CDC is, is drop, has dropped the mask mandate for vaccinated people too soon. So there is a potential that Cal OSHA will potentially follow suit eventually. Um, and that maybe this is just, they're not ready to take this step right now, but maybe in the next couple months they will do so. Um, but certainly that is a criticism of these revised regulations that it it doesn't follow um, the CDC. And Cal OSHA has been um, one to take a more stringent approach than the CDC throughout this pandemic. So it's certainly not uncharacteristic of 
this agency to take a more strict view than the CDC. Rachel Kahn, Nixon Peabody Law Firm in San Francisco. Thanks. Coming up after a short break, there's just something special about watching a movie on the big screen. When movie theaters shut down last year and studios started showing their films on streaming services, there was concern, you know, that the the pandemic would kill movie theaters for good. But the latest numbers show people still enjoy the big screen, popcorn, and, well, you know, everything else that goes with it. Yeah, except for the people. Yeah. If it weren't for the people. <laughs> yeah, being, a, being alone in a big theater would be really good. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. I don't need people chittering next to me. I don't need people talking, eating, drinking. I don't need their children. Just me and a big screen. I went to see a movie this uh, Memorial Day weekend, and one of the uh, people in the theater got the largest, you know, vat of popcorn, and I swear ate it for two and a half hours, kernel by kernel. <laughs> Which, look, the rule is you can keep your mask off. If you eat, it doesn't say how quick, how long, or how much, Uh which, you know, is a problem in America. (laughs) That is, you know what, that should be the billboard for what is wrong with America. Well, theaters took in more than $100 million um, alone here in the United States over this long holiday weekend. WBBM in Chicago, Cisco Cotto talked with Paul Daguerrebedian. He is the senior media analyst for the box office tracking company Comscore, and they talked about the huge turnaround this weekend and the movie A Quiet Place 2. Yeah, this is an incredible weekend. Memorial Weekend signified the beginning of the summer movie season, something we just didn't have in 2020. Cisco, to give you an example, so normally a Memorial Weekend would earn around $200 million or more. The record year was 2013 with Furious 6 leading the box office to $314.3 million for all the films in the marketplace. So you had $314 million in 2013, $232 million in 2019, and $843,000 in 2020. That was a tremendous drop. But then this year... We're right around $100 million for Friday through Monday. So not back to pre-pandemic levels, but considering where we've been and where we are today and I think where we're going, this is great news for the movie theater industry. Yeah, and you have obviously Hollywood, but just the individual theaters, many of them didn't hang on, but the ones that did are are hoping that this continues. They've been waiting for this. Oh, yeah, they really have. I mean, this was a tough storm to weather for exhibition, for movie theaters, and There's no better way to indicate that this is going to, again, be a thriving industry than the performance of A Quiet Place 2, which earned $57 million uh, over the extended holiday, and Cruella, which earned about $26.5 million for Friday through Monday. So put a couple of big movies out there. People are vaccinated. They're raring to go. They want to go back to the movie theater, and the result is a fantastic Memorial Weekend that portends, I think, a great summer movie season. And then beyond that, going towards the end of the year, you have Top Gun and James Bond on the way. You have Furious 9 on deck. A lot of big movies to come and Conjuring movie uh, this weekend. So I think people are just really wanting to go back to the movie theater. Has Hollywood been been sort of sitting on some of these blockbusters, just waiting for things to get back to it? I mean, we're going to see a a good thing. I mean, sort of a a glut of really good movies coming out. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what what happened was last year they had to scramble and, and switch all these movies from 2020 to 2021 release dates. So now we've got we're going to have pretty pretty crowded, uh, you know, late summer and into the fall 
But, you know, I think a movie like In the Heights, the musical, is going to really surprise people, do incredibly well. It's kind of feel-good movie that I think people are waiting for. So I think it's just, uh, again, this weekend, if it's any indication, I think we're on a really good track. That road to recovery for theaters is is happening, and we're going to see it ramp up week after week. Any sort of uh, you know potential pitfalls out there for the industry now that we're getting reopened, or is it pretty much smooth sailing? Well, well, I don't, you know, it, it's still a challenging marketplace. Uh, there's only about 72% of theaters open in North America. So that's a challenge. According to our Comscore data, that 72% is just the number of available theaters. Then with, within each theater, there's limited capacity in some uh, localities, but that's going to ease up a bit. We'll have more capacity, more theaters open. Once we get 100% of those theaters open, then we're going to be really putting the pedal to the metal and seeing a return to the numbers we formerly enjoyed at on the big screen and for the movie theater. Thanks so much for all the insight. That's Paul Dergarabedian, senior media analyst for Comscore. You know, we've uh, we've talked a lot about uh, the variants in the podcast, the British variant, the South African variant, the Brazil variant, the California variant, the New York variant. The, how many other variants are there? There are a lot. There are lots. lots. There's, there's now a Vietnam variant. There's a That's Vietnam a variant. combination of two of them. Yeah, now it could all be, you know, confusing. In fact, it probably is. But now they're getting new names. The, uh, yeah, the World Health Organization like says... hurricanes? will be like... You know, well, variant Bob. Yeah, but it's going to be all Greek to us because the World Health Organization says it doesn't want people to associate the variants by the location where they were first identified. So the British variant or UK variant will now be known as the Alpha variant. The South African variant is now the Beta variant. The Brazilian variant is the Gamma variant. And the India variant is now the Delta variant. It sounds like we're, we're, we're doing a rush. Wow. So let's see. Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Iota, Pi, Kappa, Lambda, something, something, Rho, Phi, Chi, Psi, Omega, Sir. <laughs> well, and that's the, that's the variant news for today. Whenever I do the Greek <laughs> alphabet, I have to say Sir at the end because anybody who's f- pledged a fraternity <laughs> knows, knows that. two yes. things. One, the Greek alphabet ends in Sir, and you can do it three times on a match. Something else you also can do is find this Odyssey original podcast and others on odyssey.com at the odyssey.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And be sure, please, hit the subscribe button. And just look for the Greek letters. It's all Greek to us. 